This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. The Champions League is nearly back, with Liverpool set to face Ajax, FC Michelin and Atalanta in the group stages. So who better to get the lowdown on two of those opponents, Liverpool's first test Ajax and Danish side Michelin and Thomas Gronemark, the Reds' throwing coach, who's worked with both teams in the past. It's also the ideal time to catch up with the work that Thomas is currently doing with Jurgen Klopp, Pep Linders, Peter Kravitz and the rest of the Liverpool backroom team. Plus get the thoughts of Thomas on some suggestions put forward by Arsene Wenger and FIFA regarding rule changes to football, including throw-ins, going forward. I'm Matt Addison and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast as I speak to Liverpool's throwing coach, Thomas Gronemark. The Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Okay, uh, Thomas, we'll start then with the, the job. Obviously, you've worked with, with Liverpool for a couple of years. Tell us a, a little bit about your role day to day. What is it that you do? Do you sort of take the, the sessions on your own or is it sort of part of a, a wider session with the rest of the staff at Liverpool? Uh, you, you can say I'm, I'm taking my sessions on my own, but it's, it's a part of the, the normal session. So sometimes it's a small group with the fullbacks, but most of the times it's... It's all the players. It could be two groups of nine. It could be five versus five interval game. It could be 11 versus 11 on a big pitch with, with throw-ins and foes and my throw-in tools. So but that's my job on the pitch. And then I'm also analyzing, analyzing every match on video. So I'm getting the attacking, the defending throw-ins from all the matches. And then I'm sending a video analysis back to uh, Jürgen and the other coaches. So, and then how much uh, am I working on the pitch? At the last two seasons, I had um, five visits and, and a visit for me to a club is is uh, normally two or three or four training days. So, and it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm coaching or training 90 minutes per session. I'm having normally 30 to 45 minutes at least when 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 I've been at a club uh, for some while so so I'm not there every week so but I'm I'm looking at the throw-ins every week yeah as I understand it it's kind of um you you are a throw-in coach but I suppose the similar sort of principles can be applied to other things as well it's not just throw-ins that you can improve because I suppose it's fairly similar for example with a, a corner for example as well yeah, you can say I'm coaching the throw-ins all around the pitch, and you can you can like take throw-ins and divide them into two different things. Either the long throw-in where you try to to score some goals after a long throw-in situation, or what I'm calling the fast and clever throw-ins. That's throw-ins all around the pitch where we try to first of all keep possession, but also create chances and score goals after this situation. And if we're looking at Liverpool FC. We haven't. We're not really using the long throw-in as a set-piece weapon, uh, but still, I, I have been coaching long throw-ins with the players because the longer throw-in you have, the greater throw-in area you have too, and then it's easier to to find more teammates on the pitch. So, but but my um, main focus is the faster, clever throw-ins in Liverpool, Liverpool FC. So yes, there are a lot of things you can learn all around the pitch in in many different areas, and you can also get inspiration to other things too. So. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you get often asked uh, about Jurgen Klopp and what it's like to, to work with him, but I'm interested as well about the, the other members of staff, Pep Linders and Peter Kravitz and, and people like that. How does it all 
work together because there's a lot of, of people there working as, as coaches. How does it all sort of mesh together and, and work as one? I think it, it, it's, it's uh, actually the same as any other, you know, normal company or workplace because can you get a different mixture of different personalities? Uh, are people having having like certain jobs and, and skills and expert skills that they can use and are people really good at sharing knowledge and and, um, and helping each other then you have a really fantastic work workplace and it doesn't matter if it's a sales company or a football club or you're having a an ice cream store you know if you can get all these things together you'll 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 build a fantastic workplace and, and that's the way I feel it in in Liverpool FC too because People are different uh, with personalities, with skills, and everything. And I'm I'm just feeling that that in Liverpool FC, people are getting the best out of each other. So, so that's that's the most I can say about that. So um, so I'm I'm every time I'm visiting uh, Melwood, and uh, together with the staff and the players, um, yeah, it's just fantastic. I'm 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 also a motivational speaker and been been having making over 500 talks for, for different companies. And so I think I know a, a lot about uh, work joy and, and motivation. I've also been writing a book called Lazy Energy, a bestseller here in Denmark. So, and I can just say that, that it's a fantastic work environment in Liverpool FC. People are friendly, people are helping each other, people are sharing knowledge, people are open-minded. So that's that's some of the things that's that's really important when you want to have a fantastic workplace. So so all in all, I'm I'm really happy at at, at uh, working at Liverpool FC. And when you first came into the club, did the players sort of take to your idea straight away? They were, as you say, very sort of open and uh, and willing to learn because we've seen a lot of criticism almost of of a throwing coach. But I suppose the players and and the staff there must see it the other way around as a, a real benefit. Yeah, first of all, I'll say I, I, I don't think there's been a lot of criticism. There have been some criticism by a few people who were pretty known as, as experts who really didn't know anything about throw-ins. And you can say that uh, the Internet answered back again uh, to them. I didn't really have to say so much. So, yeah, they were called dinosaurs and things like that. And then there have been some criticism from fans from from rival teams and yeah of course you know that 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 they are almost always criticizing at least some of them uh, i'll say a, a big part of the football world both experts uh, pundits uh, also rival fans uh, and and coaches trainers have been really positive and it's it's like really going up with the respect for the importance of throw-ins and, and throw-in coaching. But again, back to Liverpool FC. I think one of the most important things when we want to be motivated as, as people is, is finding the why. Why is this important? Because if we don't feel or think it's important, then it's really hard to, to be motivated. So that was the first thing I started with um, when I had my first training session in, in the mid of July 2018. I said to the players that um, there are normally between 40 and 60 throw-ins in a match. Uh, most most uh, teams are losing the ball in more than 50% of the occasions when they have a throw-in under pressure where all the players are marked. If you had the same percentage with your feet, you'll only be playing Sunday league football. That was it because, yeah. 
And then also said to the players, um, I'm not going to make you into stroke number two. With that, I meant uh, we're not going to do a not, not going to do a lot of long throw-ins towards the opponent's goals. And then after me, Jürgen Klopp said that, yeah, uh, this is Thomas. He's a throwing coach. I know it's a it's a special job, but we were really bad at at the throw-ins. That's really something we can improve. And Jürgen Klopp said, I'm 100% sure that that Thomas can help us improve our throw-in so it can be a strength instead of a vulnerability so so that took perhaps one and a half two minutes and when you as a player have heard these things you are you're more motivated of course if you're asking players would you rather throw at your hands or, or play with your feet they'll always say play with your feet but again you have to take throw-ins in a football match that's one thing and also when i'm when i'm doing exercises also with passes and scoring goals and so because actually the biggest part of my exercise is how to create space when we have a throwing under pressure so it, it, it in many ways it looks a lot like uh, like normal football training it's just because I have a I have some knowledge around why uh, or how, how can we how can we create that space so we can keep possession create and score goals so I'm working with three zones and and 40 to 50 throw-in tools that are different from zone to zone. So, so I have some knowledge that no one else have in 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 the world. So, so I think that that the players are are really motivated and, and want to learn more. And of course, like like Liverpool, who who went from bef- the season before I came um, from number 18 in the Premier League um, on throw-ins under pressure with a, pos- a possession of 45.4%. And my first season, we together improved up to 68.4% and went to number one in the Premier League. When you can see that improvement, also read it, then of course you're being motivated. And when you're then at the same time also first are winning the Champions League and then afterwards the Premier League after 30 years of waiting time, of course you feel it's important. I know that that, that it's, it's not all about throw-ins. But I still think that that if I should say how many percentages is, is throw-ins in the general performance, I'll say it means perhaps five or ten percent. So that's a lot of percentages you can you can push one or the other way, especially in a in a Premier League where all the teams are so close. So um, yeah. So back to your questions. Uh, question: I think that the players are pretty motivated. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You extended your contract, of course, with Liverpool during the summer for another season. Was that an easy decision for you to make then? Yeah, if you if you're looking if you're looking at what we've done together with the throw-ins, uh, me, the staff, the players, then then it was an easy decision. Also with the wrestles, but it's also important for me to say that I'm a freelance throwing coach, and I'm also been having requests for from from um, from rival teams too um, and I can I can if I want I can I can coach other teams uh, also in the Premier League if I want to um, unless I have a, an exclusive contract with a club I have no exclusive contract with Liverpool FC so it's it, you can say it's my own decision so the first couple of years up I've been saying I won't coach uh, rival teams to Liverpool in the Premier League because I'm a freelance coach. But but it's also like like 
Corona is affecting me like everyone else. Uh, I also have to <laughs> earn some money to get food on the table for my family. So, so right now I'm not coaching any rival teams to to Liverpool. So, um, so yeah. But let let's see. I'm a freelance coach. I'm coaching all around the world. I'm um, yeah, also in other countries than England. So. Yeah, let's see what the future brings. But but again, I'm happy in Liverpool. I think it's it's fantastic to to be in the club. You mentioned before the sort of impact that you think throw-ins could have, maybe five or ten percent difference in a match. Is there a specific way that you can quantify and work out that the actual difference that you've made? Do you track, for example, how many goals are, are scored from throw-ins or, or anything like that? Yeah, we uh, again uh, earlier mentioned uh, the percentage in possession the difference we made and it's really important to say it's it's not my numbers that was numbers from Tifo football like on a test analysis uh, last season we scored 14 goals after throwing situations all around the pitch so also from our own penalty error um, and no one was 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 long throwing towards your opponent's goal so it's all about creating space and, and scoring goals uh, but again I'll just say that that I'm working with what's working on the pitch because I have this experience I've been sitting analyzing uh, throw-ins since 2004 working with it every day so I have a certain kind of knowledge where I'm like looking at what's important and it's really important also to say that that my background is of course I've been doing like analyzed thousands of games with, with throw-ins but but my background is the pitch uh, and you can say I've been playing football myself for many years, so I'm looking at what's working, and also the way I'm doing analysis is not the way um, a lot of data guys are, are doing it. Because I've seen some data people who are saying, "Okay, let's just analyze all throw-ins and possession." But but if you're doing that, you are there are some some teams which opponents are like standing way way back, and they're having a lot of easy throw-ins, and if you count them in then you'll not get the right picture because it doesn't matter if, if there's a, the opponent is 30 meters away. It's an easy possession. It doesn't learn you anything. There are also someone who are, who are like, like measuring on, do we hit our teammate with the first throw, like, like normal passing, uh, you know, percentages. But hey, if you're, if you're throwing to your teammate in the chest or at the hip, there'll probably a big chance of losing the ball. So so you have to look instead of are you making a, a precise throw into the feet, what you have to do in most cases. So And then there are also some who are looking at, oh, a, pes- a possession is where you get, let's say, four passes. If, you're, if you have four passes, it's a possession for you. But hey, again, um, you, you can have four passes and still be in a high pressure zone and then lose the ball. So for me, when I'm when I'm measuring possession, it's about um, when do we play out of the pressure. Um, so that that's for me the most important thing. And of course, sometimes it's just really easy to see we played out of pressure, and sometimes it's really easy to um, to see we lost the ball and then there there is a gray zone. Uh, did we lose it? Did we did we did we keep it? How long? Because sometimes you can also have seventeen duels in a row, and who had the ball? So, so but I try to be as objective as possible. But but because of my my 
you know, many years of experience. I know what works. So for me, it's all about raising the players through an intelligence. First of all, creating space for each other, making the fullback uh, take good uh, decisions, and uh, yeah, and then like like use that created space to again keep possession, great chances, score goals. So. So for me, it's like, um, yeah, I, I heard a little bit about Arsene Wenger want to put kick-ins in instead of, uh, instead of um, throw-ins. And that's a really, really, really big mistake. I've also been writing that uh, on social media here the last days. And, and some people might think, oh, it's because if, if there are no throw-ins, you have no job. No, that's not the case because... You know, time has shown that I've been having many different uh, jobs and always finding a way to to make innovation like uh, it's been doing here with the throw-ins. But the challenge is that if we're having kick-ins instead, first of all, we're losing a lot of pressure situations uh, on the throw-ins. And, and the second thing is that if you don't have any pressure, you can't create like in, innovative space creation. So, and... And I'm having a lot of inspiration from basketball. And Im- imagine if there was no pressure and space creation there, it was it would just be boring. And if you're having the kick in, there have been some 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 uh, some trials early on that that it just first of all often goes in a lot a lot of long kicks. That's one thing. But the other thing is also if you're having kick ins, you'll have uh, less pressure because then you'll have the 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 nine meter rule that you have to be away from from the goal and and the kick-ins will be a little bit like kick-ins in uh, in futsal that it's just totally boring it's like first pass is free and and perhaps you don't lose the ball then but it'll it'll just take a lot of situation away from football where you can have excitement space creation duels and everything and that's what we love in football and Throw-ins can also be fast. The big challenge is now that um, that coaches and players don't have enough uh, enough knowledge around how can we create space, and that's what I want to to uh, change in the football world. So, so uh, <laughs> yeah, I talked a lot. So, uh, <laughs> so, um, but I think we should keep throw-ins. Yeah. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Before we move on to the Champions League group and, and the teams that Liverpool are going to play, I mean, just at the moment, obviously, there's no fans in, in stadiums. We've seen a lot more goals in the Premier League. Maybe defences are, are switching off and not concentrating as, as much as they should be. Is that a consideration for you in terms of throw-ins? Have, have you maybe seen a, an opportunity there to, to maybe use that a little bit and, and try and catch teams out in any way? No, I, I just... Just continue with 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 the normal things we are doing because the things I know is working. They're also working now, uh, no matter what. So so there, there's not been a real change. I think the, I think the biggest change to to uh, all the goals is that of course it's there are no spectators, but I think it's most because there's not so much time to train. Um, because of the many matches, there are, I, I think, I, ha- I haven't measured, but, but I think there are more injuries because of the many games. And then we also have some players who are out with with, um, 
the coronavirus and it gives a lot of uh, instability to different teams and we know no matter what team it is instability is not good for the performance of course of course it's more cool that we have more goals than less goals so so even though we had the the 7-2 I'll, I'll say that it's more fun to watch a 4-3 than than a 1-0 that's the way it is so so as long we can I think that the team can have a general good performance. I can live with 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 more goals. Of course, it's not it's not it's. I'm not sure if 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 John, the goalkeeper coach, can. <laughs> so, <laughs> but we have to ask him. But you but you know, it's um, football is entertainment, and that's what I want to bring with my throw-ins. Um, and it's a little bit special for me because I could easily now, I'm also writing on a book about throw-ins, I could easily now publish in one month and then I'm giving my secrets to the whole world. And, and there are so many people who are interested from all, all the world. Um, but but I also know that that, that uh, then, for example, Liverpool FC won't have this advantage compared to others. So I'm also looking at when do I have to... Um, when do I have to publish? But you can be hundred percent sure when I'm publishing my book, there'll be uh, uh, the the football game and the world will will improve because then the knowledge can come out to not not only all professional teams but also amateur and youth coaches all around the world because it, it's actually if you have the knowledge, it's it's pretty easy to put into your into a team with improved throw-ins. But but the challenge is that yeah. The coaches are lacking knowledge, so uh, let's see what happens. Quickly move on to the, the Champions League. Then Liverpool, of course, in a group with Ajax, FC, Michelin and Atalanta as well. The first two of those clubs, as, as well as Liverpool, you've worked with closely. I mean, let, let's start with Ajax then, obviously a big European name. What can Liverpool expect when they come up against Ajax? I'll say that um, Ajax is a really exciting team. No matter no matter when you play Ajax, you can be 100% sure that, that there, first of all, there are a lot of long, young players there. Uh, and first of all, they're playing with a, an exciting playing style. It's fun to watch, like, like uh, optimistic, forward-going, passing style. Um, you can say, I, I think that the thing with Ajax is at the moment that Ajax is always a selling club, even though it's it's like historical gigantic club and back to Cruyff and, and other things like the Champions League back in the days and so. Um, but, but I think it's really different from year to year uh, how strong is Ajax. Because if you look at the team two years ago when we won the Champions League where Ajax went out in the semi-final against Tottenham, they had like, what? Wow, what a fantastic team. Uh, but since then, I haven't counted, but is it like six, seven, eight players, really, really, really good players who have been sold on to big, big clubs? So so Ajax is still dangerous just because of their playing style. They have young, optimistic players. Um, so I'll, I'll say that, of, of course, it's a fantastic team, Ajax, and I think... I think Ajax are still one of the favorites to take one of the, the, the two spots to continue in the Champions League. Um, I've coached them in the throw-ins uh, the whole season last year, and it was like a full-season contract with the same with Liverpool, with I think five visits and uh, analysis of all games and so. So um, 
I'm just I'm I'm really looking forward to 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 the games against Ajax. Yeah. There have been people who've said maybe it's two, you know, very attacking teams. But is there anything more than that tactically or, or stylistically that you think there are, are similarities between the teams? No. Well, first of all, I'll say I'm a throwing coach, and normally I'm saying I'm, I only know anything about throwings. I don't know anything about football, of course. That's because I want to specialize. Again, it's really important to say I, I, I take no football coaching education and so so what i'm saying now it's only for my own but if i have to look at it perhaps ix a little bit more like like uh you know passing team i know liverpool is passing too but but if if it's it's perhaps a mixture between between uh, arsenal and, and liverpool or so like of course they're also attacking they're also on their way forward but they're also doing a lot of, of these i think small small passes it's, it's not a it's not a physical team and and even though liverpool is not like seen as a gigantic physical team they're probably more physical than ajax so so i think that that things like like uh, like corners it can be an advantage against against ajax because yeah we have some really strong hitters in our team so um so but it'll be exciting to watch uh, the liverpool ajax games a big shame as well that Liverpool fans can't travel over to Holland because it would have been a, a beautiful city for them to, to visit. But uh, yeah. I suppose you could say the same about FC Michelant as well. Hopefully I've pronounced that correctly. Obviously a, a team in your homeland of Denmark. A really interesting club actually in terms of analytics and, and data and that sort of thing. A very modern club. Again, what can Liverpool expect from them? I suppose they're a bit more of a, an unknown quantity. Yeah, you can say it's... Uh... Of course, they're the they're the underdogs in this group D, and and they totally are. But what Liber, uh, sorry, what FC Midland are really good at is uh, is set pieces, and they're also like innovative in many ways. I've been coaching. I already coached uh, FC Midland the first season in two or five or six seasons, or like fifteen years ago, and then I coached them again in seven eight season, and then. I had uh, I was together with them last season and then like ten seasons back, so it's really many seasons. Not last seasons, but uh, the four seasons before, FC Midtjylland scored uh, 35 goals on the long throw-in. So, so it's mostly been the long throw-in I've been working with with um, with, with FC Midtjylland. So. They're not they're not so dangerous on the long throw-in. Um, after I left them, because it's it's also it's all also about who uh, do you have the right throw and and the guy who assisted like thirty five goals he he's moved to another club so so even though they're still still a bit dangerous on long throwings it's not so dangerous as as um, it was earlier so but again I'll I'll say that that um, it can be difficult to play against FC Midland because they're doing things especially the set pieces in innovative ways but but um, I still consider Liverpool FC to to be a big favorite in in both matches how does it work for you obviously being a freelancer do you speak to all three clubs and, and give them the lowdown on each of them and how, how does that sort of dynamic work because I suppose you'll have a little bit of inside knowledge from all three of those teams that are going to face each other you can say at the moment I'm only coaching Liverpool FC. So other people has also asked me. I just had a visit from uh, the UEFA Champions League uh, show official here, 
uh, with uh, 300 million viewers. <laughs> so it's been sending out now. They ask me the same, who is my favorite team? I'm saying I'm always cheering for the team I'm coaching now. And at the moment, it's only Liverpool FC I'm, I'm, uh, I'm coaching. So I'm first of all, I'm cheering for Liverpool FC. It's all about relations. Who are you close to at the moment? But it's also only Liverpool FC I'm talking with. So, um, so I'm not saying or talking with FC Midtjylland or Ajax because I'm not there. And if I had been there, of course, I would would have been only focusing on what we can, what we could do, you know, for our own team, and no, not so much the competitors. So, but you know that that's the challenge with me as a freelancer because um, if I had a five-year contract with Liverpool and only had one club, of course, it's been like a war between me and any any other teams and so. But of course, when I'm a freelancer, it's um, I'm also coaching other teams and it's just like a total coincidence that I, I've been coaching three clubs in the same group. So it's it's like a crazy story. Uh, you know, if I, you asked me as a kid if I would coach a Champions League team, I would probably <laughs> say, whoa, no, never. Um, and, and, and especially with three teams in the same group. So, yeah, I'm only speaking with, with, um, with Liverpool uh, FC So um, right now. So, yeah. And Liverpool then, you think Liverpool are the favourites to go through? Who, who do you think might join them potentially in the next round? <clears throat> Oh, it's it's really hard. Of of course, Liverpool FC are the favourites. I think it's pretty clear. Uh, but I also think that that Atalanta is really really dangerous team because uh, they're also playing like a really attacking style style of football. They they are they are almost never doing a nil nil or one nil. Or, so so it's always like five two or four three or six one or. <laughs> So it's just entertaining. So you know that that's that's the kind of football we want to watch. And even though goalkeepers and goalkeeper coaches love clean sheets, again, I'd rather have a five-two than a than a one-nil. So so I think this this group D will be like dynamite. I think there are, of course, there can be certain times in a match where where players or teams are standing a little bit low because of tactics or strategy. <clears throat> but in general, I think we'll have a a firework of a of a group, so of course Liverpool are the favourites. We have to be as as uh, defending English champions and 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 Champions League winners the season before again. So, but but yeah, I I expect I expect that that Liverpool, Atalanta, and Ajax will will decide the two two um, two spots on in the Champions League between them. Uh, you can never say never with FC Midtjylland. Uh, and you can also say if there should be one underdog um, with the size of Midtjylland who should <laughs> go on, it could be FC Midtjylland because they're having a really innovative approach. So I'm just looking forward to uh, to 12 games where there are where I've coached uh, at least one team in every game, so that'll that's totally crazy. So I'm, I'm yeah, it'll be totally cool. Yeah, it could be a really really good group. Plenty of, of goals, I think, in that. Great stuff from you, Thomas. Thank you so much for for joining us. Yeah, you're absolutely welcome. Have a great day. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.